Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I want to read to you Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. Anybody have a Bible with them? Okay, anybody have a cell phone with them? You can, yeah. Okay, if you don't have either one of those, it'll be on this massive screen behind me so you can follow along. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in three o'clock prayer service. Going to a prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Acts chapter four tells us that this man had actually been lame since, uh, since he was born, but he is actually 40 plus years old. So all of his life, this is his condition. This is the experience. And he's brought to the same place day in and day out. And they brought him in and they laid him beside the temple gate, the one that was called beautiful, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at them intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you, but I will give what I have. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. I love the fact that Peter and John didn't stop just because they didn't have what the man thought he needed most, but he, they gave him what it is that they had, and that was Jesus. And the power of God was released. It says, then Peter put, took the man by the by the hand and he, he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped, stood up on his feet and began to walk. I love this. It says, then walking, he went to leaping. I mean, you know, if, if you've been lame all your life and you got healed, you're gonna start walking like, this is pretty cool, but I've seen people leap before. I'm gonna start leaping because of what Jesus has done in my life. Has anybody experienced Jesus in your life in such a way that you are leaping and shouting for joy over what he's done. It says, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. A couple more verses here. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly. I like that. He's just hugging Peter and John. Any huggers in the house? Pastor Johnny is such a hugger. Let me tell you, you see him just hug him today. He loves it. Just all about it. Just hugging him. Just hugging him. So happy. Verse 12, final verse. It says, Peter saw his opportunity. He saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Today I want to talk to you about divine opportunities, that God is getting us in position for divine opportunities to share our faith with humanity. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the power of your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, we lean in today and we know that you're going to speak to us. You're going to encourage us, but also God, you're going to convict us. You're going to move us to action. You're going to give us a sense of urgency of what really matters. We love you in Jesus name. Everybody says amen and amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad you're sitting next to me today. You made a wise choice. The book of Acts. This series has been out of the book of Acts every single week as we've been 
talking through the narrative that Luke wrote, who was a historian and physician. And Luke is giving an account of the Acts of the Apostles as the gospel of Jesus is spreading. If you remember in Matthew chapter 28, right before Jesus would ascend into heaven, he's already died, he was buried, and he was raised again. And before he was to go into heaven, he gives one final charge known as the great command, the commission going forth. And here Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm with you always. And Jesus had promised that he was going to send them the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you read the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls as the 120 disciples are gathered in the upper room. The Bible says that the power of God fell on their life. The Holy Spirit filled their life. And how many of you know when the Holy Spirit fills your life, your life starts to change? And then Peter, who just 50 days before had denied Jesus, stands up and preaches Jesus. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were added to the faith that day. I mean, no, that's, that's a little bit of a revival right there. 3,000 people saying yes to Jesus. And for the next chapters leading in the book of Acts, all the way to Acts chapter 28, you see the gospel spreading. You see the good news going from city to city, to village to village, from town to town, to the wealthy, to the poor, to the marginalized, to men and women, to Jews, to Gentiles. It did not matter. The disciples we're all about spreading God's great message to all of humanity. And within 35 years, the gospel goes from Jerusalem all the way to the city of Rome. And the church is growing. Acts chapter 2, as the church was launched in the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when he says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And isn't it amazing that 2,000 plus years later, here we are celebrating the same resurrected Lord, the same Savior who still heals, who still delivers, who still performs signs and wonders and miracles, that the same Jesus, the gospel is continuing to spread. How many of you are glad that the disciples in the early church were faithful with divine opportunities to share their faith, and because of their faithfulness and because of Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, here you and I are today in church. That's amazing. That's amazing. And sometimes, though, I look at my life, and, and these guys, men, women, pastors, uh, people who just attended church, it wasn't like this great distinction of, oh, just the apostles spread their faith. No, everybody who had met Jesus spread their faith. And, and I look at it, and I see this sense of urgency on the early church. Man, they were, they were fired up. They were passionate. They were about spreading the gospel. And sometimes I look at my own life, and to be honest with you, I've been convicted in preparing this message because I'm like, Lord, sometimes the urgency is not there for the things that it should be there for. And then the things that really don't matter, I'm oftentimes urgent about. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been urgent about something? Like just so worked up about it or excited about it that you started to pursue it? And then once you kind of accomplished it or you had it or you got near it, then you thought to yourself, man, why was I so urgent about that? Anybody with me? You know, years ago, I was in, in Kenya and I was flying back and we had, we had landed in Dulles International Airport. 
and we had gotten back. And if you're familiar with, with flying out of the country and coming back to the States, when you come back and, and just all the customs you have to go through, you have to have the right paperwork. You got to go and get your bags back so that you can recheck them in. And it's just this whole process. And here I am and I'm getting my bags and I'm with a mission team that we just come back from Kenya seeing God do amazing things. And we're, we're getting our stuff together. And, and I turn and I see somebody that I'm like a huge fan of. I, I don't know if you ever see like people who are famous and you just get fired up, but you know you're supposed to play it cool, but you just can't play it cool. Well, I'm one of those guys, I try to play it cool, but it doesn't last long. And I see this guy who it might not be impressive to you, but I've been a fan of him for a long time. I see this guy by the name of Peyton Manning walking down that. I'm about to step down and start preaching just right here. <laughs> My sister is getting freed in church today. <laughs> Denver, wow, this is getting out of hand. Okay, I'm just playing. And I see Peyton Manning, and, and I get like super geeked up about it. I'm just like, oh my goodness, Peyton Manning. And I start like telling my, my friends there, I'm like, it's Peyton Manning. And they're like, that's great, fantastic. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's the best quarterback who ever played the game of football. <laughs> She's still with me. <laughs> Anytime Brady fans in the house. Okay. Like I said, I saw the greatest quarterback who ever played the game of football. And I'm like, fired up. And I don't know what came over me. I just got so urgent about it, I just yelled out, go Big Orange. You're like, why'd you yell out, go Big Orange to Peyton Manning? Because he played at Tennessee, and Tennessee, that's, <laughs> sounds so ridiculous. That's what we say, go Big Orange. No wonder we never beat anybody. How terrifying <laughs> the color orange is. The bigger it gets, the more terrifying. Go Big Orange. And, and, and I promise you, he, he does this to me. He doesn't know me, but he, he looks over, and if you know Peyton Manning, he, is what it, he went, <laughs> just like that. And I'm like, did you see that? He loves me. He loves me. Peyton, I've got a signed autograph football. You don't even know it. I love you. And so I'm there, and about a minute goes by, and I'm still just so urgent about that. I can't believe this is happening. Peyton Manning. I end up just taking off running after him. True story. Like sprinting after Peyton Manning in the airport. Like I'm running after him. What in the world am I going to say when I get up to him? Hey, man, what's up? I'm David. I'm a huge fan. Me and this girl who comes to Healing Place, we both love you. I mean, what, what am I going to say? And here I am running after Peyton Manning like a madman, so urgent about something that I think is so important to somebody who really doesn't care anything about me. I'm sure he'd like me if we met, but he doesn't really know me. And I'm running after him and it dawns on me, I'm about 20 yards away, I see him, it dawns on me, I have left all my luggage back with the team. I'm a grown man running after another grown man. This feels like confession hour. And, and I start heading back, and it's, it's even worse than that. I'm leading the mission team. Like, I'm the leader. Some of y'all are like, noted, never go with David on a mission trip. And I start heading back, and, and this week I was telling my wife that story. I was like, have I ever told you a story about when I <laughs> ran after Peyton Manning in the airport? And she's like, no. And I told her, and she's like, that's funny. She said, how old were you? 
I was 30. It was five years ago. The Lord has matured me <laughs> tremendously since then. Married with a kid, running out after another man in the airport. Fantastic. This is why we came to church, right? <laughs> Hear the story. But I, I love the fact that sometimes our life, we can get so urgent about something that we think so important, but then we look back and we're like, man, why was I going crazy over that? And then we think, Lord, help me to be urgent about what matters to you. This is, this is the thing. I do not want to live my life, and sometimes I do. I'm just honest with you. I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. Sometimes I live my life to have more for me and have less attention about what God wants to do through me. And I don't want to live my life and get to heaven, and man, I'm saved. Praise God, he's done a work in my life. But I get to heaven, and God says, look how you live so urgently for things that had no eternal value at all, but the things that were eternal value, like people to reach, you just kind of dismissed them because you were all about yourself. And man, this convicted me. Because as I read the book of Acts, and as we've been reading the book of Acts together, we see a group of people who, man, they are so passionate about lost people. They are, they're just ferociously passionate about reaching people who do not know Jesus. And when I evaluate my own life, I have to ask the question, God, am I living for what really matters? Because Sundays is easy, right? Right. <laughs> Tough crowd. Sundays is easy. We can come in here, man, praise God, I'll seed singing. We're all just like doing the helicopter. I mean, we're just loving life. And then, and then we leave out of here, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But for the early church, there was no compartmentalizing their faith. Man, they were saved on Sundays, and they were passionate about Jesus on Monday. The same person that you saw in church is the same person that was present at the marketplace. And wherever they went to work, their family, their friends, they always brought Jesus with them. They understood that the church is not confined to a building, but that they were the church, and Jesus uses the church to spread the gospel. <laughs> Urgent about what matters. Passionate about what matters. And in this story in Acts chapter 3, the very first verse, we see Peter and John going to the temple to pray. And I want to frame this up as we talk about living for divine opportunities, how to seize divine opportunities, just walking through this text. And the very first thing that we got to know, if we're going to live for divine opportunities to share our faith, to point people to Jesus, we have to be a people who pray for it. Somebody say, pray for it. Here these guys are. The next scene after Acts chapter 2 and 3,000 people are added to the church the very next scene, Luke says that they go to the temple to pray. And, and we read this, and sometimes we just pass it by. It's just like, yeah, of course, they went to the temple and pray. But when you consider the context of what's happening in Jerusalem, that this city has been turned upside down, that people have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is literally so much work to do in the early church, that you got to establish some structure. Man, they got to get people in next steps. Surely they had next steps in the first century church. They got to get people plugged into outreaches and serving people. And they did all these things. But I love the fact that Peter and John, right after they experienced a huge moment, they went to do something that is so seemingly small. But honestly, always leads to big things with God moving. 
Prayer, listen to me, is always the prerequisite to revival. Prayer is always what comes before the move of God. If you wanna be used by God, if you wanna be a vessel in God's hand in a powerful way, there is no bypassing, there is no substituting, there is no skipping prayer. It's getting quiet in here. There, there's, there's none of that. We have to be, we have to be a people who seek God in prayer. What did Jesus say? He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I read the book of Acts and maybe you've been reading it too or you read it before. And I read all these stories of miracles and signs and wonders and, and people who are in prison getting saved and, and po political powers getting saved and people in cities that they're paganistic and they're polytheistic and they worship all these false gods having an encounter with Jesus and getting saved and the church is advancing and I read it sometimes and I ask God why don't we see the same power released today but I believe God asks us to question why don't I see the same persistency and prayer that I saw then if you want your family to receive revival and the breakthrough power of the Holy Spirit, you have to be a person of prayer. If we wanna see this church go out to the streets and people say yes to Jesus, sick people healed, people who have cancer being delivered, I believe that God still heals, but it only happens if we are a praying people. We want power, we have to pray. We want God to move, we have to pray. You guys follow me today? We have to pray. They prayed for it. Here they are going to pray. If we want to have divine opportunities, you have to pray for it. Second thing is this, is you have to look for it. Acts chapter three, verse four, it says, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Here is a man that we already talked about who's been laid here day after day, year after year. He was there last week. He was there last month. He was there last year. He was there five years ago. And he's just started to blend in with the scenery. And so many people had passed him by, even though he was right there in the path they were walking on. And God wants us to be a people like Peter and John, where here they are going to the temple to pray, that they see a man in need, and they stop, and they look at him. How often do I get so busy in life moving from one thing to the next that I miss divine opportunities all around me because I'm not looking for it? Just blending in. The person at work, just blending in. The person in your family that you know they don't know Jesus, but it just kinda blends in. The person in your school, a man you, you've made a connection with and you know that you know they're not serving God and, but yet it just kind of all blends in and, and maybe we see them but we don't really see them and, and we're not really sharing with them because we're not really looking to the way that God wants us to look because he's presenting opportunities in front of us all the time. You know, I, I think probably one of our biggest problems and my biggest problem is that I'm waiting for opportunities instead of looking for opportunities. I, I'm waiting for just God to give me a sign. God just have an angel appear before me and say, look right here, share your faith with them and we'll wait for opportunities. Or I'll, I'll wait 
until I go on a mission trip in 2025 to share, that was a joke, to share my faith with Christ. And I'm just waiting for these opportunities when God says, I don't want you to wait for it, I want you to see it. Anybody like to go out to restaurants here? Like restaurants. Anybody plan on going to a restaurant today? I love going to restaurants. I think it's just amazing, especially good restaurants. And I like to go and I like to eat. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested in how some restaurants, when you go to them, there will be a sign that says, please wait to be seated. Y'all been in a restaurant like that? And, and you, know the, you, you know the role? You, you, you give them your name, Ray Party of Five, and then they give you like a, a, a pager, and you're waiting for them to page you. And you take that pager and you go sit down, and it's just a passive approach. You're just waiting to be called so that you can go find your seat. You can be on your phone. You can, you can be looking at Instagram or social media. You can call somebody. You can talk to the people you're there with, but, but you're not actively looking for a seat. And then you have restaurants like Pimignoli's. Anybody ever been to Pimignoli's before? It's a great place, down airline, right next to Little Village. And, and Pimignoli's, when you go into that restaurant, there's a sign that says, seat yourself. And that's a little different approach to the restaurant. And when I go into Pimignoli's, my eyes are wide open and I am actively looking for a table to sit at. You guys follow me? I mean, I'm looking. If there's a table to sit at, I'm going over that table. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to order my food. I mean, I'm on the move. I'm looking. I'm actively searching out the room for a place to sit. I'm active about trying to find a place to sit. And this is what I do. If the whole place is filled up, Man, if everybody's got a table and there's no table left, I look for the table that looks like they're close to being done. Talk to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you just go over there and you just kind of give the silent wait. You're just standing there. God bless you. <laughs> the, the tab is ready. <laughs> and you take their seat once it's gone. God doesn't want us to be a people who are waiting for opportunities. He wants us to be a people who are looking for opportunities because we will wait and wait and wait and wait. God, I'm waiting for you to show me. God, I'm waiting for you to give me some sign, give me some wonder. And he's saying, I have already placed the person in your path. They're right in front of you. The person that you do life with, the uncle that you see a few times a year, and God says, I'm place you in their life for a reason. See the opportunity. Move on the opportunity. Now, I didn't share this last service, but I'm going to share it in this service. It's important how we look at the lost. Please hear me. We don't look at the lost and look down on them and say, what's wrong with you? Why don't you behave and act and believe like I behave and act and believe? And we have just this negativity and condemnation on them. If they're lost, they're lost. All they know is what they know. We look at people just like Jesus looked at people, full of grace, full of compassion, full of mercy, full of love, full of kindness. I love in, in Ephesians, it says this about God. It says that he is so rich. Somebody say so rich. Come on, say it like you mean it. So rich. He says he's so rich in kindness and grace that he gave us his own son. I wonder if Christians, when we look at people and they look back at us, if they see somebody who is rich in kindness and grace. Or they see somebody who just looks angry. No one runs towards angry. 
No one pursues somebody who's angry, but I pray when we see people that they fix their eyes on this man. It says that they looked at him intently. In the Greek, it actually means that they gazed. This is funny. They gazed with intensity, just like staring at him. I just wonder what that looked like, just staring at him. And they said, look at us. Obviously, this man was discouraged. You know, people are all around you who face discouragement and their head is down, but God wants to lift their head up so they'll see hope, they'll see salvation, and they'll see grace. I pray that we're a people who are looking for opportunities and that when the world sees us, they see somebody who is full and rich of kindness and grace. When you go out to a restaurant, speaking of it, when you go out to a restaurant, I pray we are the most generous tippers on the planet. Man, I'm telling you, I, I, don't be cheapo on sunday Oh, Be all in, man. When you sit down, I don't care if they don't refill my water, if they burn my steak, if they don't bring me any bread. I'm going to tip like God wants me to tip because I'm looking for an opportunity for them to see Jesus in me. Man, I, I just kind of went with that. I wasn't planning on it. Praise God. Y'all tip today. Y'all show some love today. Don't be just generous in God's house. Be generous outside of God's house. And God will use your generosity to meet people and people will have an encounter with Jesus because they see a church that looks on them with love and compassion and grace. Oh, I pray we look upon people right. I, I used to, to kind of just be a little harsh towards people. I did. And I didn't say it, but it was inside of me. And I would just get upset when people didn't behave like I thought they need to behave. We first have the Holy Spirit get them to believe, and then after they believe, they will start to behave. We don't believe in just, just making them all pretty first, and then they receive salvation. Grace meets us where we are. How many of you thankful when Jesus got a hold of you? That he looked at you and he says, you know what? This person is messed up. I mean, he probably did. This person is messed up. They're going down a path of destruction. But I see something that I can do inside of them. And if my spirit gets inside of them, then in the years ahead, they're going to look and act and behave different because I'm going to do a work in them. I pray we are patient with the lost, that we are long-suffering with the lost, that we look at people like Jesus looks at people. We're going to pray for opportunities. We're going to look for opportunities. You guys with me today? And the final thing is we're going to move on opportunities. Turn to your neighbor and say, we got to move on it. We got to move on it. Get to moving. We're going to move on opportunities. Acts chapter 1 verse 6 says this. Acts chapter 3 verse 6 says, but Peter said, I do not have silver and gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. He understood what he did not have, but he also knew what he did have. He said, in the name of Jesus, somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. Come on again, Jesus. Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Get up and walk. You're talking about an impossible situation. But we serve the God of the impossible. We serve a healing, miracle, working God who can bring dead things to life, can cause blind eyes to see. But I don't want you to miss it that they didn't say, hey man, in Peter's name 
or in John's name, or even the name of the church we attend, but instead they said, in the name that is above every single name, the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Somebody say, get up. They said, in Jesus' name, do that. And sometimes we get shy and we get bashful and maybe even embarrassed by the very name that has transformed us. And we don't want to say that name. I'll encourage them. I'll pray for them. I'll even look for them. But this is where sometimes we get stuck because we know that we might face rejection. We might face somebody saying, I'm not interested. I, I, don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And this is a real factor in our lives. And the enemy, please hear me, church, will always use fear in your life to keep you from stepping out into something God wants you to do. I have regretted, and I, there's been many times, I have regretted every fear-based decision I've made when God was telling me to step out, but instead I stepped back. And I thought, well, God, I know you're calling me to do this, but Lord, I don't know. I mean, me and my neighbor are cool right now. You know, we, we, we hang out some. We cut each other's grass. We take care of each other's house if somebody's gone. And, and if I start to share the name of Jesus with them, it might get weird. It might get awkward. They might not like me anymore. And I pray that God wakes us up to the reality that our present timing of what we're going through, it pales in comparison with what their eternity will be like. And that we think about where they're heading in life and the name that is able to change and save their life. Rejection, it's a natural fear. But I pray that God will build us and strengthen us with such faith that instead of assuming somebody is gonna say no, we start to ask, what if they say yes? What if I share my faith and this person that I thought would never say yes to Jesus, they say yes to him and God changes them and there's a ripple effect in their family and there's just a spreading of the gospel to the people around me because I stepped out, I moved on it and said the name of Jesus. Paul says this in Romans chapter one, verse 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I mean, that lost person that you rub shoulders with every single week and you say, There's, I don't know, man, that person is lost. Jesus can save them. Jesus can change them. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and people are waiting to hear about Jesus even if they don't even know it. He's asking for silver and gold. There's nothing wrong with what he was asking for, but they had something that was far greater than what he was asking for. Sometimes the world asks questions that are dumbed down, but we have the answer for what they really need and the answer is Jesus. Come on, you can clap your hands if you believe that. Do we really believe it? Do we really believe that heaven and hell exist? Do we really believe that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall be saved? Do we really believe that the church is supposed to be active and on the move, sharing our faith and pointing people to Jesus? I pray that God will stir in our spirit to be urgent and passionate about what really matters. 
and I love showing Christ. I think that's so important. I love what happened yesterday, us serving people, but there comes a point in time where people have to hear who Jesus is. Don't let fear stop us. Fear of rejection. Another thing, just quickly, is, is the fear of not knowing what to say. Man, I, this all sounds fantastic. I believe in it. I have no clue what I'm supposed to say. Am I just supposed to go up to him and just say, Jesus? Like, you're saying it kind of loud up there. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, what am I supposed to say? Sometimes we overly complicate sharing our faith. Sometimes we feel like I've got to have all these scriptures memorized, and if I can say it just perfectly, then the person's going to respond in the right way. But really, the power is not in the persuasiveness of the messenger. The power is in the message of the gospel. And when Jesus is mentioned, when you just simply say, just listen, just simply tell people what Jesus has done in your life. I was heading in this direction, and now I'm heading in this direction because God met me right where I was. And he changed me, he transformed me. Paul in the book of Acts, man, you know what he did? He just went from place to place when he's talking to the Greeks and he just preached the cross and he just preached the burial and the resurrection, the event of the cross, burial, and the resurrection. And people heard it and they believed it. Like the power of the gospel is real. It is, it is, it is in our possession and God wants to use you and I to move on it. I'll close with this story. I ask the keys to come back up. I'll close with this story. Is there's a young boy who comes to church here. His name is Jamin Thibodeau. And Jamin is eight years old. And Jamin goes to Oak Grove Primary. And he, he met a, a friend this past year. And he started reaching out to him. And he started just talking to him. And they just became buddies. And his friend's name was Caden. And, and one day Jamin just, he, he knew God had done something in his life. And so one day he went up to Caden. And, you know, Jamin doesn't know everything about the Bible. He doesn't know everything about doctrine and theology. But one day he went up to Caden. And he said, hey, Caden, man, I would love for you to come to church with me this Sunday. And Caden's like, cool, man, I, that'd be awesome. I'd love to come to church with you. And then so Jamin gets home. It's a Wednesday afternoon. Jamin gets home and he starts to talk to his mom. Kristen, who works here, is an amazing person. Starts to talk to his mom and says, mom, I invited Caden to come to church this Sunday. And I need you to ask his mom to come to church this Sunday as well. And she's like, Jamin. I don't know these people well at all. I've just said hello to him in passing, and, and he's just so persistent. How many of you have a child that is persistent who will wear you out? Lord have mercy. And, and he's just asking over and over, Mom, have you invited Caden's mom? Wednesday asked her. Thursday asked her. Friday asked her. Have you invited Caden's mom yet? Finally, Kristen's like, forget it. I'm so tired of you asking me if I've invited her yet. I know it's awkward. I know it's just kind of unnatural, but I'm going to invite her. She reaches out, invites the mom, and the mom says, yeah, sure, we'll come to church, have some questions. Came to church that Sunday. She brought herself, the mom, Caden, and also his two twin sisters. You know what happened? They came to church the next Sunday. They came to church the next Sunday, and the next Sunday, and the next Sunday. And Jamin saw an opportunity and moved on it. Is he some theologian? Is he some just Bible sword drill master? Probably not. 
But Jamin knew that Jesus had done something in his life and the same Jesus who had done a work in him could do a work in his friend. And two weeks ago, man, this is so good. I could just like shout. I mean, two weeks ago, July 2nd, we had the largest baptism in the history of our church. 128 people who went public in their faith for Jesus Christ. And guess who got baptized? Pull up this first picture. Guess who got baptized? Oh yeah, Caden right there. Got him some ice cream, my friend. Jesus and ice cream. Got baptized because that boy on the right was used by Jesus because he knew Jesus had done something in his life. The gospel is powerful. Jesus can save people. Jamin told him, I love this. He told him, he said, hey, I got baptized last year when I was seven and I went in the water and I came back up and I, I don't know how to describe it, but I felt something different. And this kid, Caden says, I want to get saved. This is what he wrote on his little testimony card. He says, this is what Caden had his mom write. He said, I just started to attend church at HPC from the invite of Jamin Thibodeau and I want to start a life of following God. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. But the story even gets better. That same day, his mom and his twin sisters were saved and baptized on the exact same day. So I'll pull up that picture real quick. Come on, man. Can you give God a great shout and a hand clap of praise in this place? If an eight-year-old can see an opportunity and move an opportunity, then why on earth can a high schooler or a college student or somebody who's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and maybe even in their 90s not be used by God to transform a life that will never be the same again. That's the God that we serve. That's the Jesus that saves. He is on the move. I pray that we are on the move as well. Come on, can you give him a great hand clap in this place? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.